Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson, and I am the managing editor of Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's August 30th, 2007, and welcome to episode number 39 in our series. Tonight's topic is how to get noticed by an agent or publisher. And our special guest who will be joining us this hour is Greg Daniel from DanielLiteraryGroup.com. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is AuthorsAccess.com. Now, tonight we're on the line with Greg Daniel. Greg formed his own company this year after more than 10 years in publishing, six of which were at the executive level at Thomas Nelson Publishers, the largest Christian publisher in the world. Most recently, Greg was vice president and associate publisher for W Publishing Group, formerly Word Publishing, a trade book division of Thomas Nelson. Now, throughout his publishing career, Greg has had the honor of working with uh, many clients who are critically acclaimed authors, such as Brian McLaren, Max Lucado, Phyllis Tickle, Mark Buchanan, Oz Guinness, and Ken Geyer. Greg has also been involved with publishing books by a number of celebrity personalities, including Bono, George Foreman, syndicated radio hosts Rick and Bubba, and Black Hawk Down hero Captain Jeff Strucker. Greg has also been responsible for such notable books as the ECPA, Gold Medallion, award-winning books, A Table in the Presence, and Extreme Devotion. He teaches writing workshops at many conferences. To learn more, visit Greg's agency website, www.daniellitterarygroup.com. Good evening to you, Greg. Good evening. Hi, how are you doing, Victor and Irene? I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, this is really great to have you on because... uh, As you probably know, all aspiring authors, the first thing that we do is we write the book. We then have a manuscript, and the first thing we want to do is find an agent so they can get our book published. And so we're really grateful to be talking to you because we're going to find out from you exactly how what we're supposed to be doing after we write this manuscript. And tell me, when is it that we need an agent? Well, um, (laughs) these days uh, um, you certainly need an agent most of the time. But interestingly enough, um, you don't always need an agent. And one thing that I I tell authors when they approach me is that one way they can determine whether or not they absolutely have to have an agent is um, if they're writing fiction, you can pretty much count on the fact that you need an agent. It's it's next to impossible. not necessarily impossible, but it's certainly next to impossible to sell a, um, a novel without an agent these days. But in terms of nonfiction, which um, uh, I tend to sell a lot of, um, nonfiction, if your topic is, is niche enough, if you have um, a narrow enough field that you might be an expert in, and if there's a way to reach the audience, um, uh, reach that audience uh, without perhaps needing um, a big publisher, then you might be able to sell it yourself, either to a small publisher, publisher, or in some cases, it's actually possible to successfully self-publish. And I'm, of course, not talking about vanity press here, but um, reputable self-publishing. And so an example um, along those lines might be uh, my sister, for instance, a number of years ago, she she actually uh, is an expert in the um, uh, animal care field. She's worked in zoos and aquariums and so forth. And there are always 
children and teenagers that are approaching her wondering how she got into the business. And so she thought it might be uh, interesting and successful to write a little book on how to get into the business of um, uh, animal care at, at zoos or whatnot. And so she talked to me about finding a publisher, and I said, you know, that is such a niche um, uh, topic that she might be better off and might be better served actually self-publishing that and then putting maybe ads in the back of um, animal magazines and getting in touch with zoos and seeing if she can place them directly in their gift shops. And so she did that and has made uh, a good little chunk of money by um, by doing it that way. But again, it's, it's really finding that small niche topic. So sometimes I'll have authors contact me saying, okay, I've got I've got this book on, you know, I want to write a book on, I had somebody recently contact me, they wanted to write a book on wooden boat building. Um, and, you know, my response was, wow, you know, that is such a, such a narrow area that you really would be better off doing the research and seeing, okay, what publisher has done those sorts of books, and I'm betting it's going to be a very small publisher, and very small publishers are open to working directly with authors if you can prove that you're an expert in that area. You don't necessarily need to have an agent, and they're probably used to working with uh, authors directly without agents. So that's pretty much for a, um, a non-fiction book. Let's talk a little about the fiction, and you had mentioned just a few moments ago that pretty much you do need an agent for fiction, and why is that, Greg? Well, um, a few few reasons. One is because, um, and probably the most important, is because fiction takes a lot longer to evaluate, and there is just no possible way that editors, if if all of the... um, uh, aspiring fiction authors out there who would like to get published, if they just sent all of their stuff to, you know, the relatively few editors uh, out there, and, and certainly there are hundreds of publishing companies, but we're still talking about a, a finite number of editors, there's just no way that they could handle that many um, unsolicited manuscripts coming in. And that's where agents come in handy. That's one reason that editors appreciate having agents is that agents often are the, um, uh, the sounding board for those things and they're the filter. You know, they act as the filter um, and make sure that, and they make sure that the editor really is only seeing the cream of the crop. And so, um, you know, for instance, like I said, with, with my agency, I tend to specialize mostly in nonfiction, but about 20% right now of my clients are, are fiction authors. But yet, um, I would say 90 to 95% of the unsolicited um, manuscripts and queries I get are fiction. You know, there are a lot more aspiring fiction writers. So you just really, because of the enormous, um, enormous amount of, of um, writers out there who, who would love to write fiction and have written fiction, um, agents are, are that filter that's needed. So what I'm hearing then is basically the author contacts you and whatever process you have, you go through and then you filter whether or not you feel that a a publisher, a traditional publisher, would be interested in publishing this particular book. And that is when you then sign a contract with the author. Is that correct? Or what's the process? Well, um, uh, when when an author contacts me, let's let's say fiction, 
I will ask them, and uh, well, of course, on my website, I have my submission guidelines, and that's one of the one of the strong things I'd like to emphasize is that um, every every uh, aspiring author, when you're ready to start submitting your manuscript or your query um, or your proposal, um, make sure you go to the agent's website and, and look specifically at what their submission guidelines are. That's the wonderful thing about being in the, in the Internet age now is that it's so easy to find that information. Um, you know, nine agents out of ten do have websites, and 90% of those websites, if not even closer to 100%, do have their submission guidelines. And, and so be sure to very carefully read those submission guidelines and, and take them Take them very seriously. You know, if you if you decide to overlook their guidelines and just sort of do it one blanket way to every single agent, that's a sure way to ensure that a lot of agents just won't look at your material. So let's say you do look at at the guidelines and you look at my guidelines. If you go to my agency, then um, for instance, what I typically want to see with fiction is um, a query letter, um, a short synopsis and then just the first five pages of the manuscript. And I want those via email. I'm just finding that um, it's just a tremendous waste of paper, first of all, to, to be doing a lot of business via mail these days when it's just not necessary. And secondly, it just takes me longer to get to them because I have to handwrite a, um, a response or type it out and print it out and that sort of thing and put it in the envelope with a self-addressed st stamped envelope. It's just a whole lot easier to do business via email, and I think more and more agents are working that way, and certainly more and more editors. When I send, when I send proposals to editors, most of them now um, prefer to do it by email. But um, after I get that first five pages, the query letter and the synopsis, um, I'll review those. And if I think there's something promising there, then I'll pretty quickly email um, the author back and ask them to, at that point, go ahead and mail to me so that I'm not um, having to do a lot of printing out because at that point I'm probably wanting to make notes when I'm, when I'm reading. But have them go ahead. Sometimes I'll have them send the first 50 pages. I'll request that. Sometimes if I just flip over over what I see in those first five pages in the synopsis, I'll have them send me the whole manuscript. Um, assuming I like it, if I do like it, and, and, and certainly just because I request those 50 pages or that full manuscript, it, it certainly doesn't um, mean that I'm going to end up uh, loving the whole thing. You know, maybe, oh, maybe one out of, um, one out of seven or eight or nine or ten maybe uh, that I request further information on do I actually go on to offer representation to. So for that one out of ten or so that I end up loving the entire manuscript uh, and just feel like this would be a good fit, of course it has to be something that I feel like not, o not only am I passionate about, it's, it's uh, material that, that excites me and just gets my heart racing, but um, but I have to feel like I can sell it because and that's and that's the way every agent is going to operate because we're we're in this job too we we love books and we love writing but we have to make a living and so we have to feel like you know there's a a really really good chance um, that that I'm going to be able to sell it and not just sell it you know after slogging for months and months but hopefully sell it pretty quickly. Um, 
uh, and uh, and that comes down to experience and and gut feel and that sort of thing. But if uh, if I get that feeling and I'm excited about the material, then then yes, we do move on to an agreement with the author, um, uh, an agency agreement, and and we get down to works. Um, on the, the formal proposal that I start putting together. Oh, Greg, that's a pretty good overview of, of how things get started. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at a copy of 2008 Writer's Market, and it's 1,200 pages long. It's bigger than most phone books, and it's probably a deadly weapon. It has 4,000 <laughs> listings for publishers, magazines, journals, and agents. How in the world, if I'm in a big market like adult fiction, am I going to figure out who to talk to? Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, well, <clears throat> again, if you're talking about adult fiction, then then you're best off immediately thinking, well, I really need to find an agent, as opposed to as opposed to spending a lot of time going through trying to find publishers, because again, the the big publishers. And in fact, if you were to send your query letter or, or what have you to a big publisher, even if they happen to look at it, which most of them are just not even going to look at it because that's their policy, but even if they happen to look at it they would, and they even liked it, they would say, okay, go find an agent because we can't even do business with you without an agent. Many of them just have those policies in place. But anyway, um, if, if you're writing um, fiction, the best thing to do is to is to Look in the agency part of those books that you're talking about. The um, the writers market, of course, there is a special guide to literary agents that oh. Writers Digest puts out every single year, and that one is not 1,400 pages. It's more like oh, I don't know 400 pages, so it <laughs> cuts down some of it for you. But um, uh, and then there's also Jeff Herman's guide to book publishers, editors, and literary agents, and that's a helpful volume as well. And then, of course, there are lots of um, websites these days with um, uh, agency agency guides. There's uh, uh, Predators and Editors um, online uh, and, and just a number of them out there that you can do research on. But my suggestion is to, even perhaps before you do that, I mean, that might be one way to start browsing through and see, okay, you know, can I, can I get a feeling which agents specialize in what kind of material. And you might be able to get that feeling by browsing through those books. But probably what you're going to have to do is use those books to then go to the agent's websites and get more information there. Like, for instance, if you went to my website, you would start to get a pretty good feel if you really paid attention to it that, okay, I do specialize in nonfiction. I do some fiction, but you can kind of get a feel that I specialize in nonfiction. You can get a feel that I do deal with a lot of religious material. So somebody who had written something that was religious in nature um, would certainly, you know, feel like, wow, you know, Greg might be an agent that, uh, that, that would be interested in my material. You might see a lot of uh, celebrity biography sort of thing, so you might know that, I'm, that I would deal in that. But you could tell that from every agent website that you went to. You'd start to get a feel for what they specialize in. Um, so it, you, you're, you're always that time spent doing research and trying to figure out which agents tend to specialize in what will be um, time so well spent because so often I get, um, I get queries from 
writers who I can tell they probably have never bothered going to my website, and they're sending me material that right on my website I say I don't even handle. For instance, they're sending me um, children's books and that sort of thing, and I say very clearly on my website that I don't, I don't handle children's books, um, uh, nor do I handle science fiction, and yet I get tons of science fiction <laughs> um, <laughs> submissions. So that, that time... Uh, that time spent in research will really pay off. Um, another thing to do uh, is to go to the bookstore and start looking through the uh, start looking through the books that might fit the area that you're writing in, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, and look in the acknowledgement section. And most of the time, an author is going to name their agent in the acknowledgement section. They'll even say, my agent so-and-so, thank you. Um, and you might be able to tell, wow, okay, this agent seems to do a lot of books in this area, or they, they represented this book, you know, um, perhaps on the Civil War, and that's what I'm writing on the Civil War, so that agent might be a good person to go to. But um, I would definitely suggest doing that sort of thing before just sending out blanket emails to every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the agenting business. Yeah, that sounds like some good advice. Uh, that definitely makes it a little more approachable. Yeah, now, yeah. Uh, I have a question. What are the industry benchmarks with regard to compensation, and, and how, do, how do I know I'm getting the best deal, and, and do I negotiate for that? or Compensation compensation in terms of the the book deal that you might eventually be offered is yeah that, or do you yeah. or oh okay okay um well i i thought at first that you were talking about that you might be talking about the uh, about the deal that you would do with your your agent and i can just tell you that pretty much um it's just standard uh in the industry in the agenting industry that it, that an agent is going to uh receive 15 percent um of uh, of a particular particular book deal, and that would apply to both the advance and the royalties, the eventual royalties earned. And that's just kind of uh, industry standard. And then it might differ a little in terms of if they're representing the uh, foreign rights or, or dramatic rights and that sort of thing. But um, but first off, that you know, if you do have that kind of question, that's that's good for people to know. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of the book deal that might be offered you, um, of course, that's where an agent really earns their bread and butter. You know, um, uh, it's 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 pretty much um, par for the course that that an agent is going to be able to get a better deal for you than you will yourself. And and often that comes down to even from the very beginning. An editor knows that okay, you know this person has has an agent, and 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 it might be an agent that they're used to working with, and and they know that you know they're not going to be able to lowball low this author. Um, uh, if if you're doing a let's say uh, you're doing a small niche book in nonfiction, like I was talking about earlier, where maybe you don't need an agent, or maybe it's an academic book, you. you you're a professor at a university and you've written an academic book and you're going to an academic press, which are very often used to not working uh, with agents or, or don't, you know, don't necessarily need agents. Um, uh, you know, those deals are usually going to be smaller um, and it's, it's going to be tough to, to 
get rich get rich off that deal. Um, you know what what an author might do at that point is once they have an offer from an author, they can always contact some agents. And boy, there's there's no sure way to get an agent's ear by saying, "Hey, I've got an offer in hand. Will you help me?" negotiate this. I mean, <laughs> pretty much, you know, any agent around is going to want to um, is going to want to uh, jump in and, and help at that point because the hard work of selling, you know, of, of getting the offer has been done. Um, but still working with an agent at that point can be very helpful because the agent might be able to increase the offer and then certainly during the contract negotiation we'll be able to work on the many subpoints within the contract that often an author doesn't know how to, you know, look out for what's best for them. And we'll be back with more authors access after these important announcements. Hi there. ReadReviewsKids.com is an amazing website where you can actually read book reviews created by kids themselves. Major reviewers and most online reviewers have adults reviewing children's books. Not only that, adults write the children's books, adults publish the children's books, and adults decide which books the children will read. See where I'm going with this? Sounds like it's a little imbalanced, and ReadReviews Kids has wanted to bring the children back into the picture. Check out ReaderViewsKids.com and read their opinions today. You may be amazed at what they have to say. You know, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but everyone has to go sometime. So if you're going to go, why not go Becoming Dead Right? The new book by Francis Shawnee Parker explores how to have death with Dignity, ease, and grace, whether you're taking care of your loved ones, your spouse, your partner, or yourself. Tune in to AuthorsAirwaves.com this week for Francis Shiny Parker and Becoming Dead Right at AuthorsAirwaves.com. Music is arranged and performed by George Wood. For more information, see PodsafeAudio.com. And now back to our interview on AuthorsAccess.com, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Wow, that, um, you know, you're certainly giving us a lot of uh, valuable information. I just want to backtrack a little bit, and I've heard potential authors, inspiring writers, often say that they have a manuscript and they've sent out queries to agents, anything from 50 to 100, maybe even more letters and or queries, and all they do is get either nothing or rejection letters. Now, one of the things that you had mentioned was guidelines, but what other reasons would these people be rejected or not even acknowledged? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's a shame if they're not acknowledged at all. Uh, acknowledged at all. I, I, I know there are, you know, certainly agents in the industry that that um, don't always acknowledge 100% of the um, of the uh, queries that they get. Um, and and sometimes uh, it's for good reason. I mean, I have to admit, uh, you know, my my goal is to uh, acknowledge every single one I get, but sometimes I'll get one that is so clearly um, 
uh, like for instance, I, I will get, um, since we get them by email so often, if I get a query where somebody has sent out a query and has literally put those 50 or 100 agents right in the, subject, in the two line in the same email, um, where they're literally emailing 100 agents with one email, then no, I don't respond to that. I feel like if that person cannot take the time to single me out, send me my own email and, you know, say, Dear Mr. Daniel, da da da, da then certainly it's not, uh, I don't feel like I owe them a uh, personal response if I've just been blanketed that way. And you'd be surprised how many people do that. It blows me away that somebody feels like they could be successful doing that. Um, uh, but if, they, if they're doing things the right way, you know, if they've read a book or two on how to, how to um, put together a submission, then certainly um, I am always going to answer them, and, and I hope that most agents acknowledge them. Now, are they going to acknowledge them within 24 hours? Probably not. Um, if, if you don't hear back from an agent, you know, if you've done everything the correct way, you know, by kind of the industry standards, and you don't hear back from them, let's say, in four to six weeks, then feel free to send a follow-up email or, or letter and say, just want to make sure you got it and, and um, um, would love to hear your thoughts on it. You know, it's okay to, to drop another line, but I'd wait, I'd wait six weeks or so to do so because um, authors have to keep in mind that, that we just get a ton. I mean, I'm a, I'm a new agent. I've been doing this. You know, I've been in the publishing industry for 10 years um, but have uh, started my agency in April, and I already get mm, probably 12 to 15 queries a day. Um, and so that's, that's 100 queries a week that I'm getting. So it's easy for them to start piling up. And I've heard that some of the agents who have been around for a long time and are very well-known names, I mean, get in the neighborhood of 20,000 queries a year. <laughs> so, wow. so you can... You, you can understand how um, sometimes it can take a, a while to, to get back to an author. So what I'm hearing, the trick is just to find agents that are just starting out, and they would be probably more receptive to looking at the queries. Well, certainly that is one strategy, you know, that, and that's a strategy that, that often, um, you know, if you, if you uh, look, at a, look at the books on, on submitting to agents, um, They'll often suggest that, and I think it's a I think it's a good idea. You know, the the only caveat to that would be to still do your homework and make sure. Okay, you know, is this agent representing the sort of thing that 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 I'm doing? Um, and also just being sure that that agent, you know, perhaps on their hopefully on their website, they're going to give their background and let you know. Okay, what what qualifications do they have to be a new agent? Um, if someone, you know, has not come out of the publishing industry, just decides tomorrow to start being an agent, well, they might, they might represent you, but, you know, you may have no better luck with them representing you than if you went out and tried to represent yourself, if they just have no connections in the industry and, and really don't know the industry. So those would be the only caveats to, to that advice. But, yeah, it's not a bad idea at all to, to look at new agents. And there again, it's back to looking at the guidelines, looking and just doing the research, isn't it? You know, you had mentioned um, the queries and sending out uh, your name with along with 100 others and it's a blanket. And, you know, with our review service that we have, we often get books 
just in a package with no contact information, nothing. And we just sit there and look at it. It's like, okay, <laughs> what are we supposed to do with this? And uh, there again, obviously, the people didn't look at the guidelines. They have no idea that we get hundreds of books, and we need to know what they want. So it's the same thing as writing Absolutely. to an agent, of course. Absolutely. So, when is it a good time to get an agent? Is it the time when I have an idea for a book? Is it time after I finish my manuscript? When when do I contact an agent? Well, uh, if it's fiction, you need to have finished your manuscript because if if you pique my interest with you know the the first couple chapters or so, and I say okay, show me the rest of it, and you say well I haven't really written it, well you've kind of wasted your opportunity because, um, you know, I'm going to want to see the whole thing um, and, and any editor is going to want to see the whole thing. I, I can't sell, you know, unless you're, you're uh, uh, John Grisham or Dan Brown or someone, I can't just go to an editor and say, well, I promise, the, I promise it's going to be a good novel when it's, when it's all said and done. I, um, they're going to want to read the whole thing, make sure that, you know, the, the story arc is, is there from beginning to end. So if it's fiction... You need to have finished it, and and hopefully you've not only finished it, but you've gone through it a number of times, sharpening it and editing it, and you just feel like, boy, you know, this this is absolutely uh, the in in top condition. Um, if it's nonfiction, you don't have to have the entire manuscript, which is nice. Um, you do have to have a proposal. Um, uh, that talks about you know the selling points of this, who the audience is going to be, who who uh, what books are out there as competition for it, maybe what some of those competitive titles have done in terms of sales. If you can get some sort of idea, especially maybe bestseller history, um, uh, you know what the felt needs are that this that this book is speaking to, because often that's what a nonfiction editor is looking for, and then of course what your quote-unquote platform is as the author, you know, why are you the person to write this and what what can you do because of who you are to help drive sales um, of this book. And then, of course, uh, have a book outline with the nonfiction, with the nonfiction book, have an outline, table of contents, um, and the first couple of chapters. You will have to have the first couple of chapters written because any agent and any editor is going to want to see, okay, can this person write and uh, put together something really engaging? Um, so that, that's, that's basically the way it works. If it's fiction, you need to have it finished. If it's nonfiction, you can have a great proposal with a couple of chapters. Now that makes complete sense. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for clearing that one up. Um, can you talk a little deeper about the platform? How do I define my platform, and what are the concrete things that I can do to make myself more saleable? Sure, sure. Well, <clears throat> um, you know, there's, there's a number of, there are a number of, of levels that that platform might apply to. So, for instance, if, if you're someone who has a syndicated, a nationally syndicated radio show, you know, fantastic. Right there, you've got, you've got a great platform, um, and I've worked with a number of of authors in, in that regard because, of course, on that radio show, theoretically, you're going to be able to plug your book every once in a while and drive, uh, drive your listeners to the bookstores. So, you know, that's sort of the, the high-level thing. But stepping down from that, you might be someone who is um, uh, 
maybe you are an itinerant speaker and you do a lot of traveling and speaking on a particular topic or topics, and you can you can show an agent and show a publisher that you're in front of um, you're in front of a hundred thousand people a year when you add up all the all the people that you speak to a year, and those hundred thousand people could very well be customers for your books. In fact, you may even um, uh, bring a quantity of books with you to every engagement and sell them at the back, you know, in the back uh, at a book table. Um, and that's something, you know, if, if you are a nonfiction author, you're wanting to be known as an expert, then certainly speaking opportunities would be one way to start building that platform. And so I'm always in, encouraging my authors uh, to look for as many speaking opportunities as they can. One's, of course, that worthwhile, but um, to, to broaden their, um, their audience that way. Another way is through becoming a uh, published article writer. So perhaps you start writing articles on a particular topic and you get, um, you get that uh, article or series of articles in a number of magazines and you begin to be known for uh, a particular niche by writing in magazines on that niche then that's another way to, uh, to build a platform. Um, a, a website that truly does attract a big audience can be a platform. You know, there was a, um, I guess it slowed down a little bit these days, but there was a time a few years ago where a lot of editors were signing up uh, very popular bloggers out there, you know, bloggers who just were getting uh, millions of hits, um, you know, some of the perhaps... Um, conservative political bloggers um, uh, or, or uh, bloggers that might be talking about. I, sign, I signed an author a couple years ago uh, to do a book when I was on the publisher side of things. She had a, a very popular blog where it just she talked about the dating world and being a single person in Manhattan in the dating world. And, and her blog was tremendously successful. And so we ended up doing a book... Uh, um, a book for uh, singles by her that's that's done very well, and she's gotten a ton of publicity. It was uh, written up in the New York Times and so forth, and that just came from um, building her audience from a blog. But of course, you know, you really do have to have that website that is driving a lot of traffic. You know, so many people these days do have websites, but really the traffic is meager. You know, so look for ways to build that to build that traffic to your website to the point where you can show a publisher, hey, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting 100,000 hits a day uh, on this site. Every one of those hits is a potential customer for this book. Wow, that, uh, that's really, you know, important information that you gave us. And uh, blogs are just getting to be such a big thing. Everybody's blogging, and, of course, we're picking up speed with that, too. Thank you so much. Greg, for giving us all this information and insight and what, how and what and why we should have an agent. It's, um, we're very grateful for you being able to spend this time. Tell us again your website address. It is www.danielliterarygroup.com. Danielliterarygroup.com. Again, thank you so much. This has just been a real enlightening evening. Well, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate you guys having me on. You're quite welcome, Greg. And I'd like to remind our listeners that this has been another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. 
We'll be back on the air September 6, 2007, when our topic will be Romancing the Book, Writing and Marketing the Romance Genre. And our guest who will be joining us is Sylvia Hubbard from Hub Books. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. And we'll also be joined by special guest co-host Tyler Tischler, author of Superior Heritage, which is part of a trilogy spanning 150 years about life on the shores of Lake Superior. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, saying goodnight. For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.